0: Thank you, Leon, for joining Really Specific Stories. It's a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Now, since I gathered before we started recording that you've listened to some episodes before, you know which question's coming. And that first one is, how did you get into podcasts?
1: I'm probably one of the later people to have actually gone into podcasts, I feel, from the other guests you've had. 2015 was my first experience with podcasts. Since then, I've been quite a big follower of the technical blogs like Daring Fireball. And I sort of got a sense of what a podcast was, but I never actually got to the point of actually listening to one myself. And it was probably one day at work, things were a bit quiet. And I actually saw an article for um, a Planet Money podcast um, and I decided to sort of get give it a try, see what it was like. I started listening and I got hooked to the medium basically. And I started going through a bit of a back catalog of uh, what uh, of Planet Money at that point. And from that point, I discovered that, oh, uh, Darren Fireball has also got a podcast. And from there, I sort of started d- discovering shows on the, the Apple technical sort of podcast. So moving on to there to ATP and eventually relaying a bunch of other shows from that point on. And it's been that way ever since, I guess.
0: So well entrenched in tech podcasts now. Yes. Gotcha. I'm interested in that time before podcasts. You said 2015, that was the date? Yep. Yeah. To my understanding, you're in you're interested and involved in technology. That's also your career background as well. You work with technology?
1: Yep, that's correct.
0: So if you weren't involved in podcasts as a listener or a fan in any sense until twenty fifteen, which It's cool. We all discover them at different times. What sort of media were you consuming about technology prior to
1: podcasts? Uh, It was was mainly blogs at the time. A lot of Apple-related blogs, which was a bit strange for the time because I wasn't actually an Apple user. I was actually quite happy using Linux and Android. So it it felt a bit strange being a non-Apple user consuming this Apple news. And that's probably the reason why I sort of got into podcasts late as well. I mean, I was aware of the medium, but not having an iPod myself. I never had actually experienced uh, listening to a podcast until uh, the 2015 at that time. It's mainly been blogs since then.
0: That's an interesting shift. So tell me about your experience as a Linux and Android user and what was it in reading these blogs or engaging with different products that made you switch to that Apple ecosystem? How did that happen?
1: Um, I guess it was probably, again, in a sense of trying something different. And I think starting the act of listening to podcasts sort of accelerated that. Having uh, hosts discuss new releases of Apple software, how the user experience is and how it could be better piqued my interest in such sort of software and knowing that they more or less take, they take stock of how the usability of such software uh, is. Not, not to say that Linux wasn't usable at the time, but I, I felt it was probably good sense to try something different at the time, I'd say.
0: And what was it about the writing of these blogs and these posts that piqued your interest, as you say?
1: Probably, well, I guess a good way to describe it is that they took a very critical eye to such Designs. They weren't afraid to sort of break down the approach of how Apple would choose to build a product and critique it, see where the rough edges are, and compare it to the historical designs that Apple would actually go about designing such software in the past, and maybe even also discussing the story of how such software actually got designed. And that probably also helped when i started listening to podcasts at the time as well sort of getting a sense of the story behind the software and the design why such choices were made at that time
0: so these days are you still a linux and android user in any sense or are you more entrenched on the apple side oh,
1: i'm all in on apple now actually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no turning back
1: uh not likely no
0: <laughs> not likely no worries well i'm a fan so that's fine with me <laughs> I'm not sure about all listeners, but I'm sure they can write in or, or comment online if they disagree. Before I lose that point about that first podcast you ever listened to, Planet Money, I haven't listened to that personally. So can you tell me about that show, how it captured your interest at first and what you got from it?
1: Well, I can probably remember the topic of the first show that sort of captured my interest. It was a discussion around how negotiators go about the process of formulating their policy decisions when it comes time to sort of engage with other countries. I think at that time I was on a bit of a kick of political, yeah, I was listening to political topics at the time. Something that felt quite relevant to me and the fact that, you know, it it, it was probably, how would I describe it? It was basically telling the story of how such career would work and how the types of trade-offs they would make in such a process and how they consider that and how that might be taken in by the public at large. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was sort of the topic, and that's sort of what grabbed me about that.
0: And from there, you were listening to it in what sort of context? How, How did you find yourself listening to podcasts?
1: Well, so I started listening to it at work. I think a mixture of maybe doing something that was slightly dull at the time and trying to get a bit of stimulus while I was working at the time. Um, Also a slight change of lifestyle as well. I moved out and was sort of living alone and to sort of have like a a second voice to sort of listen to at the time doing the sort of mundane works. And that's pretty much how I listen to podcasts now. It's doing the dishes at the gym, the things we, the, the, the times in the day where you can sort of do something mundane and let your brain engage with what you're listening to.
0: I really like the way you put that as a second voice, this person present in your life through the headphones or the earphones. What kind of connection or feeling did you have when you were listening to these hosts or singular host talking on the podcast? How did you feel?
1: Well, it's actually funny. It, it depends a lot about how the podcast is produced. For a, a podcast like Patent Money, where it's almost like a radio show on the internet, it was very detached. You're listening to a, a radio broadcaster, they prepared clips from interviewees. And so the, the detachment there was quite large. But compared to, say, the talk show or Cointuition, where it's a bit more off the cuff, a bit more like a couple of friends talking to each other. You kind of get the sense that you're one of the guys there. You're one of the people listening along, almost like you're their friend. And I know that, I know that's not quite an uncommon feeling, but yeah, it's, it's certainly present in, particularly in those sort of tech podcast shows that I listen to.
0: Yeah, and you said before that you were reading Daring Fireball and that was your kind of in to the talk show with John Gruber. When it came to core intuition, how did you come to discover that podcast? And are you still a listener?
1: So I came to Core Intuition soon after I joined MicroBlog, which was uh late 2020. And I think at that point so I was actually following Manton Reese before that. I can't actually remember exactly when. I think it was early 2020, it might have been even earlier than that. But after joining Microblog and after sort of engaging with other members of the community, talking about uh, current tuition and commenting on it, I figured that was probably uh, a good show to start listening to. I think it was late twenty-two. It was a couple of months after I joined that I started listening to it. Uh, Now I listen to it weekly.
0: And again, getting to that idea of uh, the second voice and getting to know people in a way and have that connection to hosts, did you have a good idea who... Manton Reese was using Blog before you start listening to the podcast?
1: I, I wasn't quite aware of what Manton was doing probably until I started listening to Core Intuition. Certainly while I was sort of reading his blog, it was a lot of talk about micro.blog and micro.blog, sorry. And I wasn't quite aware of what that was until I joined and then starting to listen to Core Intuition and starting to listen to the the, the sort of design decisions he makes when it comes to building the microblog. That, that sort of gave a sense of how Manton sort of thinks as a developer. I think at that point when I was a regular listener to Core Intuition, I actually went back to a few other points where Manton was on, like, for example, the talk show, and I think even previous episodes of Core Intuition as well. And that sort of filled in the background for me. And from there, I got a sense of what men's previous works were.
0: That's really interesting. So you started listening to a podcast later in the process, but then found yourself going back to fill in the gaps. Have you done that with other shows or was it only with Core Intuition, that idea of going back through the archive?
1: I I think I've I've done it with shows that I found myself enjoying quite a lot. So another one is probably ATP, which I sort of started listening to shortly after I started listening to the talk show. Uh, from there, I've sort of gone back to a few key episodes. I haven't listened to the whole pack catalogue, but a few key episodes that were sort of brought up in the later episodes and that were linked in the show notes that were worthy of listening to from the host's point of view.
0: Well, they're fairly long episodes, some of the shows that you mentioned. So I don't think anyone would hold it against you for not <laughs> listening to everything yeah. back over again. That would be quite a feat. So when you start listening to Core Intuition, you said that, you were engaging with these ideas of Manton, uh, at least, perhaps, Daniel, as a developer. If you don't mind my asking here, does that relate to any of the work that you do, or what what kind of background do you bring in your knowledge?
1: Okay, so I'm I'm not an Apple developer, so we're in two completely different worlds. So I mainly focus on back-end development work, so AWS services. And I was thinking about this. Um, I f- I think the fact that we're in two different worlds is actually something that's appealing to these sort of podcasts. Because even though we're sort of developers as a whole, I mean, we build software, we actually build very different pieces of software. And the problems are slightly different, but the pains are the same. You encounter something, you find a way around it, or you build something you're proud of, you, you want to sort of discuss it and go through how and why the decisions you made are that you made. That affinity to the fact that the struggles are the same and the the victories are the same, even though in completely two different areas of the industry, is what's appealing to core intuition, particularly.
0: Okay. And in your work, do you share a lot of ideas or different opinions or experiences with other people in your field? Is that something that you talk about a lot?
1: Uh, yeah, it, it is something that we talk about a fair bit at work. It's a different way of. Uh, I, I, this is just my own opinion, but it, it feels like. That's what I want. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> it's probably also the fact that the type of businesses that we work on are slightly different. I work in a, a, a large company, so I work with a team, and we all, all share ideas and how we approach things. It, even though we make decisions on a daily basis, the decisions of the product as a whole are not our own. And to be able to hear, to listen to these indie developers on the top podcasts that I tend to listen to, it's refreshing to hear them talk about the approach of designing the product as a whole. And that's not something I get as myself in my regular job. So to be honest, it feels a bit like living vicariously through these developers. And I think that's part of the appeal.
0: Kind of like a development holiday.
1: Sort of, yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Maybe that's a very poor way of putting it, but that, that's how I understood it.
1: No, that, that, that's, how, that's a good way of putting it.
0: Thank you. That's good. Um, right, okay, that's that's interesting. So you're essentially getting a window into other people's experiences, which kind of cross over. It's a little bit of a development Venn diagram, but the worlds, those larger parts of the circles, you're held apart with these different backgrounds. That's really interesting. And something that I've learned from people before uh, and this challenged my own assumptions about how people listen. When I listen, I really you know, like to talk about it and share it with other people. But not everyone does. People express or exhibit their fandom differently. When you're listening to these podcasts, you've explained how you have this second voice. There's this voice in your head. You're connected to these hosts on these shows. How does your fandom extend beyond that? if at all. Do you find yourself talking to other listeners? Uh, are you active online? Do you keep to yourself? How are you engaging with the genre beyond listening, if at all?
1: I would probably say I'm one to keep to myself. I'm not a huge presence on social media. I think since joining Michael Brog um, and discovering that there are others that also listen to the same, shows I'm probably more likely to sort of start blogging about it and I think that'll probably be something that I would continue to do going forward.
0: And what is it about micro.blog that's maybe different from other social media that has prevented you from engaging in that sort of activity?
1: There's a number of factors I would probably say. I think the community is one. I think Gene does a fantastic job keeping the community as nice as it is. And also the fact that probably the way that I approach blogging on microblog, even though it is out in the open, it does still feel like something for myself. I I don't know how that will sound to others, but I I tend to keep to myself generally. I'm I'm a bit of an introvert, maybe even a little shy. So I I don't try to sort of put myself up there a lot.
0: So it feels like your own place to express your thoughts and experiences
1: yeah that's probably a good way to describe it i mean online is probably the only venue i have to express any thoughts i have on the shows the people i sort of deal with in regular life are not real listeners either which, which doesn't bother me I'm, I'm happy to sort of enjoy these on my own and with other members on the microtoplog community now
0: so that's interesting. I understand what you mean because I'm a fellow user of Blog. In fact, I think we might've even first spoken there, yes. which I think is maybe a testament to the platform. So I'm sharing that view with you. Yeah. When it comes to sharing your own stuff there, I understand that point that you make about it being your own space because it is a blog of sorts. You can just keep it to your own feed of stuff, but it is a social network and people are there ready to respond to you. And you know, the comments flow for anyone who's used micro.blog, you know, there isn't a thing like likes or retweeting or reblogging in quite the same way. Because of that connection to just commenting, how have you found that conversational element using micro.blog to talk about podcasts and other elements of tech fandom?
1: The the way I probably would answer this question is probably not going to be a very unique answer. I think listening to anyone on Micro Monday about The community aspects about the actual design of the platform itself, uh, how they try to reduce the amounts of, shall we say, metrics which could sort of, which sort of feed the negative aspects of social media, provides an environment, at least for myself, that is not afraid to sort of express or discuss these sort of aspects of. Listening to a podcast, I think I feel quite sort of, how would I answer this? I take the approach of posting about a particular podcast online on on, on microblog in such a way that would not provide the negative aspects of the social media, given the sense that because you don't know who's read it. uh, So you're not really expecting anyone to read it. Mm. I guess for some that might be a negative, but for me, it's, it's quite liberating and to be able to sort of make a post out there in such a way that at least I know for myself, I've, I've made it. I, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah.
0: You've actually said something really, really fascinating to me, which I hadn't really thought about as a connection to podcasting until I've just spoken to you. And that's where you just said that you don't know if someone's read it. Now, that's actually a great connection to podcasting because I can tell you in my experience in podcasting, there are some metrics available to you. You can see general things about downloads and locations and so on. But famously or infamously, people have complained for years that podcasting doesn't give you enough metrics, right? Okay. But the thing you're telling me here that is refreshing about Blog is that you don't really have that visibility. You're not feeding off those analytics so do you think that maybe and i'm gathering this is what you think but do you think that that kind of connection of no analytics or obsession with numbers in podcasting connects well to that idea of blog? do you feel in listening to podcasting that you're kind of liberated from that or that expectation or stress
1: i, I think it helps a great deal particularly the type of podcast which i listen to which sort of tries to maintain the open web, non-analytic, like non-dynamic ad insertion sort of types of podcasts that won't have available the the analytics that they have. Um, And I think it helps a great deal when it comes to them producing the content that they release, that they have to get it from something else other than the fact that they know that there's 100,000 people listening to these aspects of the shows um, and sort of tuning the shows to match it. Comparing that to, say, something like Twitter, where you might, you'll get up-to-the-minute analytics of what tweets are, quote-unquote, engaging and having that sort of drive to tune the the, the type of content that you produce to sort of get that engagement. It feels very unhealthy to me. Um, And I think the fact that, the types of podcasts that I listen to, which differ from like the podcasts that you might listen to on Spotify, for example, the type of podcasts that I personally listen to need to find something else to sort of drive them to produce the type of content that they make. And the fact that most of them do that because they absolutely love it means that they're, what well, means to me is that they're willing to produce content that they themselves think is good. And I see that in Microblog as well, or particularly how I use Microblog, I can't get any sense of who has read what I, I, I post there, which means that it has to be something that I think is good. And I do it for my. I, I do it because I like to do it, for example. I think that is probably very close. It, it's a very sort of similar approach to what I see uh, in the, the way that podcasters produce the shows that i tend to listen to
0: that's a lovely thing you've said there where it's about personal motivation or individual passion because not too long ago just talking to me now you labeled yourself as an introvert and what you've kind of suggested to me about social media beyond micro.blog or the kinds of thing that these podcasters are talking about those things are you could argue, externally driven. You're putting stuff up online for the approval of or from the influence of others, but you're saying that this is the reverse. You're you're, you're engaging with podcasters and putting up content in a social media space that's driven by you. Is that fair to say?
1: I, I think that's fair to say, yeah.
0: Okay, so it comes from you.
1: I mean, it, it's good to have others to sort of, you know, read the stuff that you sort of produce and reply and everything like that, but. It's, it's not necessary. It, it's basically a, an audience of one, me and the future is enough, basically.
0: That's a great way to put it. And just broadening a bit, because you mentioned core intuition, but then you also said ATP in the talk show, and I'm sure there may be others. There's, I think you said relay FM as well. Some people outside of any given fandom like technology might look at it and go, how are you listening to all of these people talk about the same sort of thing? But i'm guessing you must get different value or connections from each of them so can you give me an idea of maybe what you get across the ecosystem differently or what all the pieces of the puzzle are
1: so i'll answer first about how i could possibly listen to all these shows at the same time uh the probably the quickest answer is routine and basically listening to certain podcasts at certain periods of time at the week but I think getting back to the question about value, it does occasionally get a little tiring listening to the same topics brought up in three or four different podcasts. So to be able to sort of... So I, I, I do find myself needing to sort of shake up the the mixture a fair bit. I mean, listening to ATP talk show, the, the sort of shows that are sort of geared towards, shall we say, Apple News... And sort of comparing it to something like uh, Reconcilable Differences, which is a bit more lighthearted, a bit more life, and maybe even a bit of comedy, counterbalances it. And I think I need a fair, a, a quite a, a decent mixture of that over the course of the week. And tech, I, I listen to other podcasts apart from the technical shows as well. There's a couple of ones that are more focused on news or one or two sort of comedic ones as well. I'd like to say it's a relatively balanced diet. I mean, you can't listen to everything, but it, it works for me, I think.
0: And you just mentioned there, which I think was a quite a funny and appropriate word, you said it gets a bit tiring or tiresome sometimes to have this deluge of tech news coming at you. Are there any things that you follow or do different media or activities or hobbies that are your escape from podcasting, kind of an escape from the escape?
1: I actually, I'd say podcasting, listening to podcasts is probably a big factor of the escape. There's a lot of times where I'm doing something that's not work, where I'm sort of listening to a podcast. I mean, occasionally I do listen to music. Occasional walk with a a bit of music is is a nice sort of change. But if I'm not working and I'm doing something mundane, I'm usually got a podcast listening. I'm, I'm usually listening to a podcast at the time.
0: What sort of music do you like?
1: Um, I'm a big fan of Mike Oldfield. So that's, I'd probably say
0: progressive rock. Are we talking tubular bells here?
1: Yes, we are talking for tubular bells.
0: Announcing acoustic guitars and mandolins. Yes,
1: that's it. That's the one. Love it. No, really? <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> oh. Oh, I, I have. I, my father was very enthusiastic in um, sharing that music, and we would often exclaim along to the. Uh, uh, the announced instruments but this isn't my story it's yours <laughs> so what is it about mike oldfield that, that's fascinating i like that connection
1: oh okay um yeah i mean i i guess i mean i'm, I'm not I, I prefer to listen to instrumental music mm. and i think when i first listened to, listened to it, it it was the type of music that sort of grabbed me i can't really describe it any more than that it, it's a type of music that really does sort of I find really quite pleasing I'd say
0: what is, what is it about instrumental as opposed to vocal that captures your interest
1: I guess the only answer I've got for that is that I just prefer instrumental music <laughs> I think yeah I, I mean I, I I do play music just on and off um, which I think might have something to do with it
0: play music as in play an instrument
1: yeah I, I play the keyboard
0: how long have you been playing the keyboard for
1: uh, since I was Eight, maybe, I think.
0: Wow, okay, so you've really stuck with it. Are you quite proficient?
1: Uh, I did A B exams. It's been a long while since I have played something, so the skills are sort of atrophied, but yeah, I used to be, yeah.
0: Now, look, as someone who loves music but can't play an instrument, I'm always really interested to talk to people who can play an instrument, any kind of musician. So when you are playing or when you do have the opportunity to play, how do you feel And how does it compare to engaging with other media? Because I suppose to contextualise this, you're approaching podcasting, uh, an audio medium, as a listener, but you play music as a creator or an instrumentalist or a producer. So what's the difference in producing the sound versus listening to it?
1: I think a big difference between the two is how active you are in the actual act of either listening or producing it. I think when it comes to music production, or if it comes to something like software development in my own time, that will require, sometimes it does require, well, particularly, especially with music, occasionally with software developments, it does require an active level of, it it needs your active attention. You can't really sort of split focus when it comes to doing those sort of activities, which which is a vast difference from activities where you would be listening to the podcast that you can probably reserve some of your sort of attention to sort of listen to a conversation going on while you're doing something that doesn't require your full attention.
0: Yeah, so it's about focus. And I recall you said not long ago that podcasting is really part of the routine that you have because you're working, podcasting goes along with it. yeah and listening I gather from you is a multitasking element whereas you couldn't really do that when you're playing the keyboard because it needs your ultimate focus so does that affect your ability to really engage with it on a regular basis?
1: Yeah so definitely well particularly when it comes to music I'm not one to be able to sort of listen to music while I do anything else because even though I'm not playing I'm still actively listening to it. I find myself being able to sort of passively listen to podcasts at the time. I think that's probably the biggest difference between the two.
0: And in terms of your podcast listening diet, I'm not getting hung up on that word, Tyson, but I really like it. Is there some sort of change or future direction that you'd like to see in the genre or format of tech podcasting that would make it maybe more engaging or that would improve it for you? Where would you like to see things go?
1: I, th- I think the biggest direction that I want to see, particularly in the type of indie tech podcasting, such as Core Intuition and uh, it's it like, uh, is to stay as open, stay close to the technologies of the open web as they possibly can. I, I'm personally not one to like podcasts that do dynamic ad insertions, that really, hearing an American speak then that gets cut off while an Australian make a, make an ad read is very jarring, and I do not like it at all. I like to be able to hear the the hosts reads the ad because it sort of keeps you in the pod, in the show. And yeah, just I just get the feeling of that uh, if these podcasts were to sort of get swayed into the closed sort of ecosystems such as Spotify, they're, they're in danger of. I, I, this is just my personal opinion, but. They do new favors of keeping the ecosystem open. I get the same sense that it would be similar to when old school bloggers moved to Twitter and sort of neglected their own, own blog. I think we've got a, a nice little thing going on with TED Podcasts using the open web ecosystem. And I certainly like to see that continue.
0: You make some great points there. And the way that you mentioned an Australian speaking in the middle of an American podcast. I'm reminded, and maybe you've had this experience, but you know when you hear Australians pop up in American TV shows and movies and you go, is that what we sound like? Or (laughs) are they doing the accent properly?
1: Yeah, I feel that's the same way. Absolutely the same way. It's jarring. It's really jarring.
0: Perfect example, I think. Perfect example. You've given some really, really interesting responses and I appreciate your story. Are there any other elements of your personal narrative or experience with podcasting or your media habits that you'd like to talk about that i haven't pressed you on
1: no i think we have pretty much covered most of the the things i wanted to discuss so yeah that's pretty much all from me
0: well leon this has been really good i want to say thank you for sparing your time and uh, sharing your personal story with me and the listeners of this episode so thanks for joining really specific stories
1: oh it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much